This is episode number 197 with Troy Basham. New concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Reach your full potential. Reach your full potential. Small win, small win, small win. Keep your momentum going. The Success 101 Podcast. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. And each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. Welcome back to the Success 101 Podcast. As always, this is your host, Jared Warren. Fired up to be here with you guys. When am I not? Super excited today, though. We've got an awesome show. Troy Basham. You guys might remember I had his dad, Lanny Basham, on quite some time ago, but Troy is the byproduct of all of the years of mental management concepts that have been passed down from his dad. You guys are going to love this show today. 90% of our success in life or our winning in life really does come down to the mental game, but how often are we focusing on it? Not much. We work on a whole bunch of other stuff you guys are going to hear about today rather than what we should be. So for those of you looking to hit higher areas of peak performance, this is going to be a good one. Guys, have you checked out Blue Apron yet? It is the Netflix of meal delivery services. Fresh, fast, food. I was looking for another F there. I have a ton of fun with Blue Apron. It comes in near the weekend, the way I've got my shipment set up. Super fresh ingredients, super clean, and I like to have a ton of fun with it. Pair it up with other things. They've even got a wine pairing list over on their website. By the way, for those of you who are not wine aficionados, especially if you've got Blue Apron coming to your house to cook for other people, they're going to hook you up with the right type of pairing for all of their food. It's just amazing. And I like to have a ton of fun with it. Like I said, get a nice bottle of wine, get a drink of your choice, pair up other foods with it. They've got it all over there on the website. But here's what my team has set up to offer you guys as loyal Success 101 podcast listeners. And I had them set it up this way for people who maybe were like me a year or so ago and heard about meal delivery services and like, eh, I don't know, probably expensive, probably not big portions. You know, there are all these reasons why I didn't dive in. But these are really great offers to help you really dip your toe in the water, so to speak, to find out if you like this, which I know you will. So head to success101podcast.com forward slash blue apron. The first offer that we have there is three meals free on your first blue apron order. Three meals free. We've got that button right over there on that website, success101podcast.com forward slash blue apron. The second one, which really fires me up, is their new Mediterranean line, $40 off your first two boxes of their Mediterranean meal. These are awesome. And if you guys haven't done a lot of research around the Mediterranean diet, how healthy it is for you, for your brain, your body, longevity, but you're going to get $40 off your first two boxes with that offer Again, both of those offers are over on success101podcast.com forward slash blue apron. Use that link so that they know we sent you over there. My book, From Success to Significance, is still available for just the shipping cost here in the United States. Head to success101podcast.com forward slash book. Choose the paperback option and at checkout enter success101. You'll get that for just the shipping cost. The five components for creating your strategy The six vision building guides are in that book. And I built it like a workbook for those of you who have heard about it before, where you can go through and really map out your vision, get clearer on your goals, build clarity. I wanted to make it that way so someone wouldn't just read more about goal setting, but not actually be able to put it to practice. If you're outside of the United States, you can click the ebook reader option. Both of those are over there on success101podcast.com forward slash book. Go check it out. Also, my coaching programs on the coaching tab at the website 
four different modules for you guys to choose from, depending on how deep you want to dive into this, but it's one-on-one time with me. I brought on five new coaching clients last month and our relationships are already starting to build. And I like to dive in fast. Success101podcast.com forward slash coaching or just find the website, go to the coaching tab. Lastly, guys, if you would like to connect directly with me, the best way to do that is to shoot my team an email to info at success101podcast.com or you can catch me in the world of social media on Facebook, on the Success 101 Podcast community page, on Instagram under the name at Success 101 Podcast or on Twitter under the name Warren Jared. Let's get right on into our show. Again, Troy Basham. I'm so excited to get him on today because of his mental management system. And he and his dad are just phenomenal. So Troy's been teaching mental management since 1995, mainly working with competitive golfers and Olympic athletes. But his main focus, guys, is helping players develop mental consistency during play, performing under pressure. He helps people understand how to frame image and mindset at a very high level I just love the work he and his dad, Lanny Basham, do. If you haven't heard my podcast with Lanny, it was one of the earlier ones that I did. Go check it out. His book with Winning in Mind was amazing, but we're going to talk today about Troy's book, Attainment, and I'm really excited to bring him on today. So without any further delay, let's jump right into my conversation with Troy Basham. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 podcast. What an honor it is to have Troy Basham here with us today. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. It's such an honor to have you on. I'm obviously a big fan of you and your dad and the reading that I've done on your work and the mental management concepts that you guys have helped so many people implement. And after realizing you guys were right up the road for me, after following your dad's work for so long, I couldn't believe you guys were right here local. So I had a chance to come up there and see you guys and see your mental management strategy set up. And that's when I got my hands on your book. And I knew I had to get you on because my listeners who are tuning in for peak performance, for upgrading their life, I think the work that you guys do is so crucial. And I couldn't wait for my listeners to hear from you. Well, I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to it. Your book called Attainment, it really stood out to me whenever I first saw it because I didn't know, obviously, a lot about your work. I knew about your dad, Lanny Basham, with Winning in Mind, that he wrote is one of my favorite books. But you are obviously a byproduct of him being his son. But your book, Attainment, The 12 Elements of Elite Performance, was awesome. And I know you've got some great accomplishments as far as national championships, world championship, and implementing this mental management system for about 20 years now. Take us through the origins of attainment. Take us through some of your work that helped lead to that, and we'll go into the research. But the first thing I've got to ask is why 12? When you wrote this book, of all the things you could have put in there, why did your research lead you to 12 being the right number for the elements of elite performance? Sure. Obviously, growing up basically with a living legend, Gosh, since I was born, dad was already on the national team and working towards making the Olympics. By the time I was six years old, he won the Olympics and he was in that dominant phase. And then about the time I was 10, he started the international shooting school. So from the time I was 10 to the time I went to college, we had a ton of elite athletes that came through that academy that my dad ran. And they were from Japan, Australia to, you know, India to, you know, South Korea. And seeing these individuals, some of them were already very well known before they got to the academy and others were developed at the academy and really went on. Like Uncho Lee from South Korea was not really a very well-known shooter. And then once he was at the academy, he wanted to become a dominant force in the 1990s. 
And so what I realized growing up is these things that my dad are, are teaching to his athletes, you know, what really makes them elite, what separates them from everyone else. And as a young individual, I always have thought, well, it's, it's the middle management, it's what dad's teaching them. But then you see some people that are not in shooting sports than other sports or business that he's working with that are at a very high level. And so when I was tasked to write a book, that's like, you know, you need to write your own book. I attempted it the first time and I did three chapters. We were in a flight together. I didn't tell dad I was working on it. I just printed out the sheets, handed it to him, said, hey, what do you think? And after you finished reading, he said, yeah, that looks pretty good. And that to me was a, a way of him saying in a very nice way, no, not quite that good. I just, I burnt it basically, threw it away and tossed it to the side, so to speak. A few years after that, I started thinking, okay, I need something that's standalone, that's separate than what Winning Mind is. I'm not going to compete with that book with Winning in Mind. It's probably the best kept secret out there. It's amazing. It sold over 300,000 copies and has never been in a bookstore all these years. People like it. They refer it. I realized I wasn't going to compete with that. So I'm thinking, okay, what is it that separates these guys from everyone else? And really, you know, it goes back to the the old five things that you know separate people. You know, you have that passion. You have to have opportunity. You have to train with a purpose. You have to be mentally strong, and you also have to have the self image of a champion. If you don't have a self image of a winner, you're not going to be at the at the top. But within those five things. I wanted to illustrate some main points, and this goes into the 12 elements of elite performance. And the idea originally was I'll do five chapters, two elements per. But as I started going into it, there were a couple of them that I really want to hit one point in a little different direction. And the other one, I just it just kind of capped off what the book is titled. And that's how I kind of came up with 12. And so when I say the last one is elite performers focus on attainment, others focus on accomplishment, that's all about becoming and accomplishing, not just accomplishment itself. And then elite performers reinforce success and focus on the correction. Others focus on the results and lack of success. That really helps hit you know some of the other elements beforehand. But I, at the end, felt like it's really important to cap that in that way to kind of end on a powerful note. That's kind of how I, I wound up with that. I want to take just a little bit of a step back here, if you don't mind, because I know once we start diving into these 12 elements, it's going to open up a whole conversation that I know it's going to be hard to get everything into a podcast here, but I'd love to know for you, you mentioned handing the first part of your book to your dad and him going, oh, that's nice. First of all, for people out there who are raising children and trying to help them get into the mental mindset or mental game, what was the pressure like on you growing up as a youth where you've got this legendary dad I'm just sure there's a lot of pressure that comes along with having a dad that is so focused on the mental game. What was that like? Growing up in shooting, after my career was over, I realized that if I had to do it again, I would have picked a different sport. If someone who was under a living legend were to say to me, hey, my dad's a, a famous ex, I want to follow his footsteps, what do you think? I'd tell him, pick a different avenue. Uh, Yvonne Lindell, I, I heard that none of his kids play tennis, they all play golf. And it's important when you look at a, a living legend, you'll never measure up to that. You know, the perception that everyone has after watching that individual compete over the years, what are you going to do to overshadow your father? You're probably not going to do it. And the pressure that you have to live up on that was extremely high. For me, it came three ways. One is 
you're the son of somebody. Two is that my dad's also the creative mental management system. So the comments would always come, well, if it really worked, why aren't you dominant? And then three is I had a twin brother that was also following the footsteps. So we heard it from multiple directions and it was pretty difficult. But at a young age, you know, I didn't know any better. I was nine, 10 years of age when dad started this whole academy on the junior you know, circuit for me. I was like, dad, I want to shoot. These guys are coming in and they're shooting. Why can't I shoot? When we were 11, nope. When we were 12, nope. He wouldn't let us shoot till we were 14. And when we started, I think we were almost a year into this and we hadn't shot a competition. And I'm like, dad, you know, we want to compete. Can we shoot? And he goes, I'm not going to let you compete unless I know you can win. And then the first match we went to was a Texas state championships. Not a local event. It was the state championships. And I went up winning my age group and my brother was second. And then a few months later was the nationals and we go to the nationals and I won my age group again. And so to me, I'm like, oh, this is, it's fun winning. I recommend everybody to win. It's pretty fun. Right. Let's talk about your dad for just a moment. I'm wondering how you watched his own mental management evolve over time, because we all grow over time, especially if we're trying to work on things like this. And as a dad, you know, for myself, growing in patience, growing in tenderness for my own kids, but the middle game is just, to me, one of the hardest things that you can grow in. How did you see your dad change over the years as a man and as a leader, as he learned more about the mental game and implementing that to you and really living that out in life? Interesting question. In, sh- in shooting, I didn't because I was so young. But in, in the mental management aspect of it, I really saw that in the 90s up until probably mid-2006 timeframe. So when I was in college and I was in the Army during the 1990s, competing at my sport, the highest level that I reached at that time, that actually was elevating what he had taught back when I was just a little kid going to college. I'll give you an example. The the reinforcement phase of a shot was feast and forget. So if you reload a shot, it was just feast, forget, move on. Well, now we go into much more more depth with it. It's You're going to evaluate it. Good, okay, it needs work. You're going to rehearse the correction if needed, and you're going to let it go and move forward. So I really saw some things where he improved what mental management was and really made it more of a system as a complete whole. And when I was in the Army in 93 to 2001, part of our deal is we have to also coach juniors and do clinics and, and that kind of stuff with safety and shooting. And so I was always tasked, hey, you do the mental part because your dad's that, so you do it. And so as I was doing that, dad was like, yeah, you know, you might want to change up this way. You want to do it this way. So then when he came with his third edition of With Winning in Mind, you know, I got to witness that. And that was pretty neat because for me, I'm looking at it from a teenager. Dad doesn't know anything, right? And then now I'm in my mid-20s to early 30s, and I'm seeing this being polished. And I'm like, wow, my dad's a genius. I remember just thinking one day, it's like, man, this is, you know, the model of how performance is generated. Okay, I get it. It's a model. But when you really look into it, I was like, my gosh, this is a genius. No one else had figured that out. No one else showed the relationship of conscious, subconscious, and self-image, and then tied that in the way he did it, and then support it by principles. But then when we really went to a systematic approach, breaking down, what do you do in the anticipation, action, reinforcement phase of each task that you do? 
And that really is what opened my mind and said, okay, this is something that's really good. I fully didn't understand it until I started working with my dad full time teaching this. And that was back in 04. And about 06, 07, I started to realize, you know, I probably used about 60% of this when I competed. And I really wish I really understood it like I do today back when I was in my mid 20s to early 30s. I think I would have had a lot more success in some ways. Uh, But in other ways, I was doing exactly what I thought I needed to do back then as well. And that is just so key and really tells the story of your development and upbringing and really why you believe in what you do today. I could probably speak for most of us out there that we've all thought just as you did that, oh, our parents don't know as much as I do or I know better. And then you start seeing this play out in real life and you go, wait a minute, there's actually something to this. We've mentioned that self-image and how your mental focus is more important than the actual skills that you have. But you mentioned a second ago what having the image of a champion really means and how that carries forward. What does that really mean? Why is that so key and so important, having that image of a champion, carrying that forward? And how does that really play into the mental game as such a key component of all the things that could play into our mental challenges? I focus on winning as being defined of reaching a level that you have not previously done. So if, if I've never been in the top 10 at the Nationals and I go to the National Championships this year and I finish eight, I might not have won the match, but I won because that's the best I've ever done in my career. I could do that with a score. I could do that with performance. I could do that with how I fall in the position. But I think all elite athletes, when they're looking at how they you know, want to perceive their career, I want to reach a level I haven't reached before. And so when we say, well, I want to do the best I can, I think they do a good job of defining that. That's getting to the next notch, the next notch, the next notch. That's kind of my approach to when I wrote this book is why do they have an advantage over everybody else? There's this winning mentality that's not about just winning. It's also understanding where am I at in the winning part of it? You know, when I'm a junior athlete, I'm not, I, even though I'm competing against everybody, I'm not going to beat the adults, right? When I'm 14. But if I beat kids in my age group, I won, even though junior, at least in shooting, the year you turn 21 and under, you're a junior. Well, I won the under 15, but maybe I didn't win the junior category, but I'm still a winner. And then you have people that actually go beyond that. They're 15 and, and they wind up beating everybody in the country as far as the you know high school and collegiate athletes. And you look at them and you go, wow, how did you do that? You beat everyone in your age group and the two age groups above you. But I think what it does to that person is it reestablishes what winning is. That person realizes my competition isn't the under 15. Now it's the under 21. And they move forward in that as far as getting higher goals and pushing themselves. And I look at defining winning as that way is, okay, pushing myself beyond, but achieving something I haven't done before. And that's how I look at winning, not just who won the competition. That might be the best way that I've ever heard it framed. You know, we always talk about success and winning and what does that mean? It means different things for different people. Some people might say it's not as important to be number one as much as it is to improve in the long run. But saying to get to a level that I've never been at before, that is winning to me. I mean, that sounds so simple, but until you frame it that way, until you think about it that way, you realize you're really just competing with yourself on a lot of things in life as adults, just day-to-day things that we're doing. And I think one of your elements, number 10, was elite performers actively build and protect their self-image. I think that goes right along with what you just said 
of having the image of a champion, it's getting somewhere that you haven't gotten to before and saying, okay, how do we improve even on that further? Not necessarily just winning, which really kind of goes a little countercultural to what many of us have been taught or we try to teach our children. No, I think that's exactly right. And the fact that when you're winning in those increments, you are building your self-image. You are starting to realize, wait a minute, maybe I can go the next level. Maybe I can go the the one above that and so on. And it gives you perspective of where you're at. So then you can properly goal set, you know, in the future of wherever you're, you're going. In my view, I, I look at it when I was working in the corporate world, you know, I'm not going to be the, the number one guy in the country, but there's 15 of us in a region. What if I could be the best at this one thing in that region and then start growing from there? And it really helped me become better faster. And that's just taking something I did in sport from a self-image perspective and move it over to the corporate world. Just said, okay, you know, I might not have this the best, but I got this as the best. This is the best. And if I can do these other things, well, maybe now I can go to this next level. Who do I compare to in the state, not just my region? Then who do I compare to my nation? And then expand from there. It's kind of like you hear about people say they have like a big sky goal, you know, go for, you know, if you try to hit Jupiter, you might hit the moon kind of thing. And you have other people, other people say, no, it needs to be realistic. And my view is, no, it needs to be in the middle. It needs to be, if it's, if it's realistic, it's too easy. If it's a big sky, it's too hard. So those two really don't work, but somewhere in the middle where it's currently out of reach for me to get it, but it is within sight. I could see how I could do that. Then... I think you've got a goal. And now when you achieve it, I mean, you're going to tell me you didn't become a winner. I would say you absolutely did. How do we take this mental management into the world, the corporate world of burnout, fatigue, negative talk, self-sabotage? Talk to me about framing our mindset each day, whether it's a, whether it's the Olympics or athletics or the corporate world, but just winning the day. I think so many people have gotten into such a hole mentally that it's hard for them to think about winning the day. So what do you and your dad prescribe to winning the day and making sure that you're getting to the levels that you want to each day from staying out of burnout, fatigue, all of that, and really hitting those targets that you're wanting to hit? I think it's two parts. This kind of hits uh, the third and fourth element. One is to focus on your opportunities. Most people are going to focus on obstacles. You wake up in the morning and you're always going to have some sort of obstacle that can stand in your way if you let it, right? What we're looking at is what's the opportunity that you have? An obstacle shows an opportunity to do something. If I'm inexperienced, that's an obstacle. The opportunity is I have a lot of other people around me that are more experienced that if I actually take advantage of their knowledge and their information and communicate with them in a way, I could probably reduce the amount of time I need and really improve and get better. And then the second part was is that all things that you do as far as performance related are conscious, subconscious self-image. It's not just your skill level doing something. It's also how do you focus, which is your conscious. And then what's your habits and attitudes, which is self-image. Is it like me to do these things or if it's not like me to do these things? Those are some things that we look at is I want to develop all three of those, not just one. And if you look at most people, they're focusing on the one thing. They're not focusing on all three. And I think element number seven is elite performers focus on what they should do, whereas others focus on what happened. Yeah, we have a saying, always focus on what you should do, not what you did. In some cases, you did great. Well, what should you do? You should focus on how you did it well. So when we keep a performance journal, the big meat of the performance journal is the what went well section. And I tell people, you want to state what you did, how you did it, and then give an example. It's not really important what we did as much as it is on how did I do that and build and elaborate on it 
so my self-image can grow and I can reach that that next level of uh, you know my ability because my self-image is going to hold me back. You know, we have some people that have a lot of ability. I mean, they're really skilled individuals, but their self-image is holding them back. And when you look at that one, which is what you're talking about, is focus on what you should do. When they don't perform well like they know they can, what do they focus on? They focus on the problem and what didn't happen that they wanted, rather than focusing on what they should do next time they have that opportunity. Absolutely. And a lot of that ties into element number eight, which is elite performers focus on the process, whereas others focus on the outcome. And knowing that if I just focus on the process, even if I haven't done things to have what seemingly would be a great outcome today, I can still hold my head high, go home happy and know that it's coming. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think most people probably don't have a defined process and they struggle with that. And when they look at it, they're evaluating, you know, am I successful or not? based on what accomplishment would be, you know, what the result is or not, rather than what is the system I'm using that's process-oriented? Because I can control process, I can't control outcome. I think when you look at that, you probably say, yeah, I think you can look at most games, whether, you know, in any sport and say, yeah, it probably works out that way. In our sport, you don't know what score it's going to take to win. So why worry about what the, the score is going to be? Why not just focus on, okay, what's a systematic process to run? Follow that. And trust that the end result will happen. The reality is, is if you go back and look at it and say, okay, did I run my process well? And if I did, I can probably identify where I need to, to work on my game. And when I'm working with clients, I have them. I say, once you grade your technical and your mental process, I mean, you've got a certain way technically that you want to do something, right? As well as mental. So let's separate the two. And when they have a high number in both of those areas, I don't have to look at the leaderboard to know where they're at. We know that they're going to be up there at the, at the top. And, you know, sometimes they, they don't win, but many times they do. And if I can define the process that would generate the success that I desire, and I can define that, and I can master that, and I can duplicate it to where I have consistency, I'm going to trust that it's going to work, and I'm not going to try to make it happen. I'm just going to let it happen. I think that's what, you know, most of us try to do is we do the opposite. We try to make it happen rather than letting it happen because we don't have a defined process to trust. And if you have a defined process that you can trust, especially if you've got 70 years worth of data, right? You would think it would make it easier. But for some reason, humans are not designed that way. They're really designed to try to make something happen instead of trusting that it will happen. The ones that do trust the process tend to wind up having more success than everybody else. And it goes back to your element number six as well. For those of you who haven't seen the book yet, element number six, elite performers focus on solutions, which I would think that that's process. Focusing on solutions versus focusing on the problem, which could go back to outcome. I didn't get this. I didn't get that. I didn't score this. I didn't win that. Therefore, I'm a failure. No, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep pushing forward. Keep doing the process. And that's going to solve a lot of things, especially the mental game which, as we've said, is 90% of this entire equation towards success. Yeah. A lot of people just, I think, don't look at it that way. I have to know what the problem is in order to fix. Yeah, but most of the time we know what the problem is. So let's focus on the solution rather than the problem. Yeah, I'm not a problem solver. I'm a solution finder. That's how I want to be. I want to focus on the solution to find it and not dwell on the problem. If I dwell on the problem, I'm going to have a lot more problems. And I don't need more problems. We, we live in a stressful society as it is, right? 
in shooting, it's a little easier because most of the shooting sports are precision sports. The difficult part is to try to be perfect every single time. And the reality is we can't. We're, we're imperfect as human beings. There's some of us that are perfectionists by nature. It's just, our, I guess, a part of our personality, right? We want to be perfect. We're perfectionists. Everything's going to be right. What's interesting, though, is we're not. We make mistakes. Uh, we're designed that way, but we strive to be. And when I look at it, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I can't really be perfect physically. You know, I'm always striving to work on my craft, work on my craft, but I, I'm in a sport that if I miss the target, my chances of winning go down quite a bit. You know, we talk about three types of imprints. There's an environmental imprint, what the environment does to us. There's a, an actual imprint when I actually shoot a shot. So there's also a third one, and that's an imagined imprint. Well, if I'm shooting and I execute a perfect shot and I don't get a perfect result, it could be because the, the wind blew the bullet out of the, the tin ring. Well, uh, that's an environmental inference. Like I shot a good one, but I see the result. It's not good, but it's there. I can't take it back. I did it. You know, other times I actually shoot it when I shouldn't, and I know I shouldn't have shot it, and it misses a tin ring. But that's an actual imprint. I actually did it. But an imagined imprint, I can control. I can think about it. And the great thing about imagined imprint is I can imprint anytime I want. So I was at a World Cup once in Milan, Italy, and a teammate of mine were shooting on the second relay the next day, which started at 10.30. And right across the street from the hotel was this, this little pizza place that, if you've never had pizza from Milan, Italy, you know why you go you cross the street at 10 o'clock at night and have a, a late night snack. It is fabulous. I mean, just looking at the way they cook it and you walk in there and it's like, oh, this is awesome. We're sitting there shutting down. I mean, you're excited about the, the match tomorrow. And so about 11, 11.30, we're like, man, we need to get to bed. So we're you know walking inside the, the hotel, and I see Leif Roland, who's world champion. He's actually held the world record twice in air rifle. And he shoots on the relay before me, which is at 8 o'clock. And I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, man, it's, it's after 11.30. What, what's this guy doing? He should be in bed, you know, asleep. And so I just went up to him and made a joke about it, and he was playing a card game with with some other shooters and walks over to the to the side and pulls me aside and says, you know, I have two rules. And I said, what's that? He goes, well, you're not going to get good rest the night before a big competition. If you have a big event, the night before, you're not going to get rest. You're too excited. You cannot think about anything but that event. So you're not going to get rest. So I got plenty of rest last night. So I, I slept for 12 hours. It was great. I will be okay. He goes, second is when I do go to bed, in about an hour, maybe I will get to bed about one in the morning. I will shoot a perfect score like I'm shooting the match. And I said, I do that every night before a match. I'm like, so you're shooting a 600, a 600 every night before a competition? He says, no, I've never made it to 600 because I always fall asleep around 40, 50 shots. He said, but the idea is I'm shooting exactly like I want to because I can picture it. I can see it. Even though I physically can't do it. I can actually see myself doing it. And this guy's two-time world champion, a world record holder, I should say. I'm looking at thinking, okay, one, he's talking physical, the rest the night before the night, but the other one, he's talking about mental. And so what happens is he became who he thought. You know, I'm a person who has the ability and know I can shoot good scores at the highest level because I imprint it all the time. Now, he has the skill to do it. He's not doing it. So by doing the mental imprinting, all of a sudden, it promotes the probability that 
his self-image becomes, you know what, maybe we're good enough to do that. And over time, he becomes this great shooter uh, of his country. I think that's a good illustration of you are who you think. If you think you can do something, and I'm talking about someone who has a skill to do it. Obviously, if you know, I can't think I'm a great motorcycle rider if I've never ridden a bike. Yeah, I'm not gonna gonna jump into you know a race and win, even though I've you know I've imprinted because the imprinting power I'm gonna have is gonna be great because I don't know all the the details that are needed from the physical and mental side of it. I just have a general idea of what to do. You know, you could you got all kinds of examples that you could go with. Probably the most famous one is Roger Bannister, who broke the four minute mile and he said that he he used to run, you know, a certain time in his head over and over and over every night. Uh, until one day he actually did in a race. And so I just think that goes on to what you're saying is that you are what you think. If if you don't think you can be great at something, then why should you be? Yeah, that's huge. And I think your dad's work with his book, With Winning in Mind, that may have been the first time that I heard or read about some of those visual exercises where he couldn't go to the range for like two years and he's dry firing at night or he's visioning in his mind as he lays there in his bed and couldn't go to the range for two years, but then he goes out and wins the world championships, which is phenomenal. But there's a ton of data out there about visualization and this thought game. And there's a lot to the brain-body connection when it comes to visualizations, just as you're saying. I mean, it's just fascinating to me. So I think for those of you out there who are not doing a skilled sport, maybe it's the business executive, as I mentioned, or the business owner, or whatever it is you're trying to do out there each day to win. I think it starts at the beginning of the day with journaling and gratitude and affirmations. There's so much research over that. The whole mindset of like, let's just get up and go work and we don't need any of that. That was me. I was stuck in that. And how you start the day is so key. And there's so much research behind how you start the day, how your mental mind, so to speak, is engaged in these success tools and tactics and not just getting up and just diving into work, but actually setting yourself up to win the day through some of these things that people just aren't taking the time to do. Yeah, I know it works. I mean, I, I won my last national championships doing that. When 2001, it was six months before I actually really shot a match. I just put a little target on a wall, dry fired, basically did what dad did and wound up winning a, the national championships that year as well. So it does work. I think it really helps when someone has a skill level and success that they've done it before, as far as from the physical standpoint, that yeah, I can't get to the practice or the training like I want. They're much more acceptable with the mental practice and adopting that with the limited physical practice they can get. And that person's going to be hard to beat. Yeah, Roy Baumeister speaks about that a ton in his writings. You think just by putting one foot forward, you can build some momentum and go somewhere. But if you're going the wrong directions, you can look up and go a thousand miles in the wrong direction and now realize you're about 2,000 miles away from a goal that was just 1,000 miles away before. Yeah. Well, they, those people buying into hard work guarantees success, and hard work doesn't guarantee anything. If you're working really hard at the wrong thing, you're going to get really good at being really bad, aren't you? But if you're working really hard on the right thing, now hard work promotes success. And I think that's where people get confused. Is they're, they're like, you know, if I work really hard, I'm guaranteed to get this. Nothing in life's guaranteed. If you work really hard on the right thing, it definitely promotes success. And I think that's really the difference that you're you're hitting on right there is people are like, well, I'm working really, really hard. I'm like, okay, but is it the right way of doing it? If it's not, you're probably not going to get the results that you really, really want. Troy, thanks so much for your time here today. I know there's so many things that we can talk about. It's hard to cover all of it on a podcast, but where can we steer more traffic your way toward the book, toward the mental management concepts that you guys are doing? I want to link all of that up to steer more traffic your way. We office in Flyermount, Texas, 
and people can look us up on the internet, mentalmanagement.com. And if they're interested in, in our books, uh, like attainment, not only can be sold on our website, it's also available on, on Amazon, Kindle, as well as iBooks. They can download that as, as well. The same with the other products that we have. So they can go through Amazon and things like that. But I think if they go directly through you guys and mental management systems, you guys personalize everything that's sent out. Is that correct? Yeah. If someone buys a book from us and they ask us to sign it, we will personally sign it. Like many people say, hey, can you sign it to such and such? And We'll be more than happy to to do that. And we actually have some people that will actually buy, you know, 10 copies or more. And, and we have discounts if they do that. Because some of these, like attainment is a, it's literally, it's, it's 100 pages. It's an easy read. I wanted it to be sit down, read it in one sitting. Or I only got a few minutes. I can knock out this one chapter and move on. I know we live busy lives. And who moved my cheese kind of gave me that idea. I thought that was brilliant. Kim Blanchard is brilliant. Write a short book that has a powerful message and there's no excuse why you can't finish reading it. And so that's kind of been my uh, approach to that. Dad's new book, Parenting Champions is out. It's available. It, I believe we, well, we have it in stock now and I believe it's uh, available as a download now as well. And so with Winning Mind, of course, is, is definitely uh, available. And in fact, we just have a new shipment that came in yesterday of pallets of that book. Amazing how many how many thousands of books that we have coming out of our office, but they can also call us at the office if they want. Uh, our number is 972-899-9640. If they want to give us a shout, they can do it that way as well. Yeah, great, great work you guys are doing. And I love the time I had with you guys when I came by. And everything you guys have put out has been really game-changing for me and others. So go to mentalmanagement.com, guys. Go contact these guys. And I haven't seen anything that came out from Lanny or Troy yet that wasn't super highlight-worthy, especially when it comes to the mental game. I mean, I've marked you, I've marked y'all's books up all over the place. And a lot of it really does come down, as you guys can tell, to mindset and process. So thanks so much for your time here today, Troy. I look forward to seeing your continued success. And thanks so much for the time you spent here teaching us a little bit more today about the mental management game. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed it. Guys, I loved having Troy on the show today and hope you took a ton away from his peak performance message. Again, connecting with me is easy. Shoot my team an email to info at success101podcast.com or catch me in the world of social media. I'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode. Until then. Until then.